breaching the fault lines of today. Welcome to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Dr. Zudi Jasser. Welcome to another episode of Reform This on the Blaze Podcast Network. Your faithful American Muslim correspondent here. Talk to you weekly about the issues that uh, you just won't get a deep dive into in the uh, mainstream media. And hopefully the insights of uh, some of my experience on the front lines against radical Islam and uh, the area of Muslim reform can help infuse a bit of rationality into the national conversation as we seem to be pushing the margins of radicalism on almost every front. We saw months of obsession over the pandemic, trying to limit, obviously and rationally, life lost, and yet we did it at the expense of our economy. We had a whole national debate that we're still having about loosening restrictions, how much of the cure is worse than the disease. And now all of a sudden, all the concern about COVID-19, about masks, about social distancing seems to have been thrown out the window as mass rallies, demonstrations are happening from Minneapolis to Washington, D.C., to L.A., Phoenix, and everywhere. So we'll see if there's a spike in two or three weeks in not only in cases as case numbers are a bit hard to follow since we're testing more, there's more availability and things like that. But let's look at admissions to the hospital. Let's look at ICU admissions, deaths in the next two to four weeks. And that'll tell us whether the social distancing obsession was mostly correct or overdone. But right now, this week, I want to give you some follow-up on what's happening here in Scottsdale in Arizona, give you some follow-up on the legal side of things, which I think informs, we call it lawfare. What's lawfare? Lawfare is the attempt by Islamists, by grievance groups to invoke fear into the hearts of those who may disagree with them, who may want to express their freedom of speech so that they don't speak out. They use our First Amendment against us in order to suppress freedom of expression and invoke what I call blasphemy laws in the West, blasphemy laws under the guise of First Amendment protections when in fact it's preventing critical thinking, critical expression. So where are we at? I want to give you a little update about Scottsdale Community College. We talked about Dr. Damask course on political science theory, current events in the 20th and 21st century. And his course on terrorism that went from January to May 1st in 2020. And the kerfluffle that happened national, internationally after a student by the name of Mohammed Sabra, who now is a plaintiff in a lawsuit this week, and we'll talk about that. But Mohammed Sabra took snapshots of three questions that he found offensive 
about Islam, about Muslims, out of a quiz of 25 questions on terrorism and spread them before the teacher really had any chance to respond, before the school responded, and he quickly spread it to hacks on social media with hundreds of thousands of followers, and next thing you know, it went viral. went viral because some of the people spreading it were comedians that, that made gang-like videos talking about how absurd the question was, and the question was taken through tunnel vision without any any deference given to what was actually being taught in the class and what context that would be. Almost the same crime that Islamists claim is done to Islam when you take a passage in the Quran and you don't put it in the context of the battle of the of the chapter in which it's being given. Damascus was not teaching a course on Islamic theology. He was teaching a course on terrorism in which he talked about all types of terrorism from the Hindu thuggies to every group in the world, but focused in some ways in parts of the course on Islamic radicalism, on Al-Qaeda, ISIS, and others. And yes, some questions talked about what's the inspiration of the Islamists? What's the inspiration? It is obviously their theopolitical interpretation of Islam, their jihad. And he asked about that. We talked about that in a previous podcast. Well, this student continued to bypass normative methods of complaining through his education, through the normal process that his student handbook tells him to do if he has any grievances. He first took it to social media, and the, and the professor gets threatened, the school gets threatened. The professor has to go into hiding where he had posts on the school's apology posted within 24 hours, apologizing to the student, horrifically appeasing the student's ridiculous spread of the questions, which, by the way, I would think violated honor codes and other things. You don't simply spread test questions around that are posted online as part of a course. Last I checked, you're not supposed to do that, as others may still be taking the quiz, as it's really part of the material and ownership of this professor in the school. Certainly, you're able to to complain, etc., but you do that with the school's processes, and there was no time for that. In fact, they don't seem to care. As reported by Lori Honeycutt at the Arizona Daily Independent this week, Mohammed Sabra then enlisted the help of the Muslim Brotherhood Legacy Group, the Council on American-Islamic Relations, the constant, ever-present, grievance-mongering victimology group that basically, again, disregarded complaint protocols in the school and pursued now a lawsuit against the Scottsdale professor. The lawsuit was filed earlier this week and Tuesday in the U.S. District Court. He claimed that he had been punished for refusing to agree with Dr. Damask. Punished. How was he punished? If he didn't like the questions, Dr. Damask responded to him, and we don't even know what happened with the, whether he was given credit for those or not. Punished how? Three questions out of 25? 
It's an online course. You can't even say that he was called out in class. Dr. Damas called the lawsuit frivolous, but is not afraid to fight for his academic freedom. Student didn't file a formal complaint. And as Kathleen Wynne, speaking on her own behalf, said, she hopes CARE is not using this student to forward their agenda without regard for the student's interest, freedom of speech, and academic freedom. And, you know, you look at this and you can't help but realize that this lawsuit falls right in line with the un-Islamic bullying. And it's un-Islamic. Really, if CARE really wants to teach people about Islam, how would the Prophet Muhammad react to those who rejected him, who, who called him names, who ridiculed him? Would he respond to suing them and demanding that now... Really? How, how are the rest of Scottsdale citizens and Arizona citizens going to feel when their tax money is being used to defend frivolous lawsuits, to defend against frivolous lawsuits? I don't think it's going to endear them to the compassion and the brotherhood of the Muslim community. It's going to see this as intimidation tactics, as bullying tactics of the Council on American-Islamic Relations, better known as the Council for American-Islamist Radicalization. And it's the same bullying tactics that happened when the student released a question to gang-like comedians around the world and then had to force the professor into fear for his family and his safety, and the school did also because of all of the threats that were posted online. And the intimidation continues. They want to constantly leave everybody on defense. Who dares? Who dares associate Al-Qaeda and ISIS with an interpretation of Islam. And what denial? What massive denial to deny the fact that Osama bin Laden, Zarqawi, Zawahiri, Nidal Hassan, Awlaki, Imam Awlaki, Imam Qardawi, all of these shiuch, these clerics, have their interpretations of Islam that emanate from a significant population of Muslims that have a jihadist interpretation of Islam. But CARE doesn't care about that fact. They want to assume that Dr. Damascus is teaching his students that every Muslim down the street has that interpretation of Islam. They want to assume that Americans are like eight years old, eight-year-olds. They can't discern or discriminate or separate between Muslims that are rational, peaceful Americans and those that are militant jihadists. Yes, they might read the same Quran, but there's a different version of Islam being interpreted. But care doesn't even want to do the hard work of expressing the difference between those versions of Islam. They simply want to punish and penalize anybody who might intimate that that is a version of Islam. And it's somehow it's Dr. Damask's responsibility to Make it clear that that's not Islam, that somehow it's just some type of bizarre, wacky, psychotic thing. When in fact you have huge, massive countries like the Islamic Republic of Iran, Islamic Republic of Pakistan, the Muslim Brotherhood in Egypt that ran its government for two years from 13 to 15. These la large, massive Islamist movements that sprout terrorism 
across the planet in Islamic movements are Sharia states. And somehow it is bigoted to teach that. The lawsuit, if you pull it, if you pull the lawsuit, the lawyer that's defending it from some previously unheard of law firm here in Scottsdale and the two litigants that are the plaintiff lawyers for the Council on American Islamic Relations claim that they are using the First Amendment, that this is not against free speech, but it's actually against the Establishment Clause, that the Dr. Damask, because it's a state school, is teaching a form of Islam and establishing an a state-sanctioned interpretation of a religion. Seriously? So now any intimation, any intimation of theological origins, of radicalization, violates the Establishment Clause? That is complete nonsense that therefore does not allow any type of educational system through state schools or otherwise to begin to look at theological. And that's exactly, by the way, what the Islamists did to the Navy War College and Department of Defense counter-radicalization, counter-terrorism courses that taught about radical Islam. They completely gutted the material a la the Obama administration 2007, 2008, 2010. They gutted them. And there's no longer any known materials about jihad or otherwise. The NYPD gutted its material about jihad and its, its, its landmark report on homegrown terrorism and radicalization in which there was clearly the process of jihadization discussed. And, and it saddens me. And actually, the reality is these ambulance chasers that are simply trying to strike fear into the heart of anyone who would even begin to understand the motivation of radical Islamists and how they start as nonviolent, how they start as separatists against Western secular society, how they start as Sharia state activists and then get militarized through jihadization, and they go from being in the stands to being in the fields of the jihadists. They end up doing honest Muslims a gross disservice because they make it appear that we have no rationality. We have no tolerance of even having any classes at a community college discuss the root causes of radicalization and jihad. And thus, what's my program here about is about reform. How can we reform if even students can't even discuss radicalization? So you're telling me, if you have a course about America, about American history, and you say that the revolution was striking in America for freedom, for liberty, and that Patrick Henry was was saying, give me liberty or give me death. And he wanted liberty against theocracy, against the church, of England against the ideologies of theocracy that so permeated Europe and that the post-Enlightenment era 
of freedom and liberty in our U.S. Constitution, and especially our First Amendment, and the best interpretation, the only interpretation of our Establishment Clause that I believe is valid, is that it prevents the establishment of religion. It doesn't separate church and state, but it simply prevents the establishment of a religion. And that's why the word Christianity, Christian is not in our founding documents because they didn't want to have debates about which form of Christianity. Because the theocrats did not have ideas that were compatible with American freedom and liberty. So if you say that the theocrats, and you talk about what Christian theocracy was that came out of Europe and canonic law and all these things, if you talk about that, that violates the Establishment Clause, which actually was created by revolutionaries that were fighting that? It is utterly absurd. And that's what the attorneys of record in this frivolous ambulance-chasing lawsuit against Dr. Damask and against the Scottsdale Community College are trying to say. And all they're trying to do is drum up business, is to collectivize Muslims into saying they defend our rights when, in fact, they are radicalizing our community. I stand here before you in this podcast to tell you that this is how American Muslims are radicalized. By attorneys, by groups that are grievance-mongering Litigants like the Council for American Islamist Radicalization, like CARE, that pushes lawsuits like this to make it seem like Muslims can't tolerate any conversation of facts, of the reality. Now, in their lawsuit, they cite, well, the professor also quoted Walid Ferris. Walid Ferris, who's written books about freedom, about the Arab awakening, about the Arab Spring, against theocracy, against dictatorship. They may not agree with some of his formulations, but to say that somehow quoting Walid Ferris is anti-Muslim, this is a guy who's written about the need to liberate Muslim-majority countries from dictators like Assad, Saddam Hussein, monarchies, and others. This is an anti-Muslim writer? It's absurd. In fact, it is the Islamists like Kir that are anti-Muslim because they are pro-theocrat. They want to make it appear that the only form of Islam that they will tolerate, that is tolerated, is the theocratic version because it's the dominant one. It's the Islamic establishment. And I'll remind you, for those of you in Arizona, about the flying imam lawsuit. I wrote a academic piece in the Middle East Forum in 2008 about the origins, about the ideologies of five of the six imams I'll remind you that they decided to pray in group at the gate with a call to prayer and a group prayer at the gate. They went on the airplane. There were some notes passed between passengers. And they were removed from the flight. And yes, I agreed at the time that, and I still do that, it was inappropriate for them to be removed but what did they expect? I felt, and it still is my gut to this day, that they intentionally committed an act that stoked fear, that tested the waters in what was one of the most stressful areas in America, which was the gates before boarding an airplane. 
they decided to exercise their religious freedom. The method in which they were removed from the airplane was inappropriate, etc. I won't relitigate that whole thing. Look at my piece, a Middle East Forum from 2008, in which I reviewed that. But bottom line is, is contrary to what I thought was the right thing, U.S. Airways, after being sued by another group of attorneys at the time, also trying to drum up business, settled for an undisclosed amount. And God only knows what kind of amount we're talking about. And what happened with that amount, ladies and gentlemen? God knows. Nobody knows. There should have been a counterterrorism center started in Arizona in, in the name of religious freedom for Muslims to fight for reform. But no, nothing, not one iota of evidence that that money was used for anything regarding modernization of thinking against radicalization. Now, it may have. I have no evidence to either side of that other than to tell you that they should have built something in the name to make it clear that it was not about shaking down U.S. airways, but about religious freedom. But without anything obviously built with those resources that they financed, that U.S. airways financed, God only knows where that money ended up, and it was a shakedown in order to instill fear into the hearts of TSA personnel, police personnel at airlines, at at airports, and airline personnel on airplanes. And the whole flying while Muslim mantra. And again, the move to radicalize Muslims to tell them that they are treated as third-class citizens. And create a separatist mindset separate from society. And what good did that do? Two years later, you had Nidal Hassan, November 5th, 2009, a psychiatrist, as I've told you in my book, A Battle for the Soul of Islam, who had a background similar to mine, decided to kill 14 of his fellow or 13 of his fellow officers and enlisted and injure over 30. And his radicalization process cannot be denied that it was part of an interpretation of militant Islam. Was He was radicalized globally by Imam Olaki, another American that was radicalized on our soil who then became a primary radicalizer and thankfully was the target of a drone attack in Yemen in 2010. All of this is to tell you that we can't appease the Islamists. We must teach all parts of the equation. Dr. Damask and others at Scottsdale Community College have had me debate Imam Ahmed Shukairat the, the debate is online. That's the type of education that should exist, that Islam is a diverse religion. Is Muslims are a diverse community. We are not monolithic. We aren't adverse to having people understand that terrorism can be one pathway of interpretation of Islam, but there are other pathways. And that's not inappropriate then for Dr. Damascus to talk about 
when you're talking about a class on terrorism that that's one of the issues that's part of it. But no, this lawsuit gets filed. They don't care about the normal processes of grievances through the Department of Political Science, through the Department's of the school's grievances? No, they quickly spread the questions online, regardless of the context of the quiz, and quickly now filed lawsuit in federal court, U.S. District Court, not caring one iota about the processes through the school because they want their 15 minutes of fame. They want their business to be drum up and fundraising to be done for their Islamist grievances. There is another side to this equation because perhaps maybe lawfare needs to go both ways. This week, another legal case was settled, but this time, this was raised by families concerned over CARE's influence in San Diego. CARE's influence in San Diego. And I was reminded this week, the case actually was settled last year in March 2019. But San Diego United, San Diego Unified, I'm sorry, had settled a lawsuit targeting its planned and later shelved anti-Islamophobia efforts. It was a plan that had been struck in 2016 or 17 after a mosque in, in one of the counties in San Diego area had been targeted. They then enlisted the help of the Council on American Islamic Relations in San Diego And a group of concerned parents sued and said that you can't prefer one religious group over another. And you can't give Muslims special treatment. And it took two and a half years. The group of parents weren't asking for money, weren't asking for punishment. But they used the law to defend their right to say, you know what, this group has an agenda. The Islamists have an agenda, which is to ram down the throat of our students, of our kids, of our families, their perception of their own faith. And that cannot be allowed without a balance. In 2017, the case was filed, and it had started when... They had wanted to block this initiative that was basically to have an initiative go through the entire school system about Islamophobia. Now, you know here, if you listen to my podcast, I can't even stand the term Islamophobia. What does that mean? Anti-Muslim bigotry? Sure. Address anti-Muslim bigotry as you do anti-Semitism, etc. But Islamophobia? People afraid of an idea? Islam is an idea. Do they talk about Judeophobia, Christianophobia? I don't think so. That's a word that came from the Islamic theocrats in the Middle East that tried, as they arrested and tortured people for criticizing their government, they said they were criticizing Islam because the head of the government was the representative of Islam and therefore you were criticizing Islam. That's where that root word came from in the early 90s. The families, the parents, alleged that the relationship of the district with CARE was unlawful. And they wanted to halt any formal partnership between the two groups. So instead of dealing with Islamophobia, the the district then dealt 
with general anti-hate groups and did a larger, broader anti-bullying initiative known as No Place for Hate. The settlement said that while the First Amendment does not prohibit the study of religion, it requires such content to be presented in a manner that does not promote one religion over another. Educators should treat each religion with equal respect with the time and attention spent discussing each religion being proportionate to its impact on history and human development and the material presented in the historical context. The memo also said guest speakers from religious organizations are not permitted to make presentations to students on religious topics. So again, fast forward to Scottsdale, the president, in her obsequious apology within 24 hours without even talking to Dr. Namask, said that she was going to consult local leaders on how Islam should be taught. Wrong. Tons of precedent in which you can't allow certain people to influence the balance of education. In San Diego case back from last year, the plaintiffs were five families, two organizations. Represented by the Freedom of Conscious Defense Fund. All they wanted to do, as the attorney said, was just to make sure that the school district isn't even is is isn't even giving the appearance that it's preferring one religious group to another. The settlement spoke for itself. And they didn't allow care to come in. Now, just so you know, by the way, Care San Diego is one of the least palatable branches, not that any of them are of the Council on American-Islamic Relations. One of its former attorneys is suing them. <laughs> sort of like the pit bull getting bit by one of its fellow pit bulls. The lawsuit alleges a toxic culture and poor leadership, suggesting that CARE's devotion to progressive civil and employment rights practices may be only a facade for something more insidious. As quoted by David Swindle from the Middle East Forum, he said on April 24th, Susan Arani filed a 42-page lawsuit against CARE California. Arani served as a lawyer in the San Diego office working on and off since 2015. And on April 9, 2019, Arani was fired by Dustin Cron. Cron, by the way, was highly quoted in that case I just read to you about. Her new boss, Care California's Greenborn, Greenhorn, executive director who took over in January 2019. Arani alleges discrimination based on religion, gender, age, and political views, breaches of attorney-client privilege, wrongful termination and retaliation, failure to hire, and hostile work environment. Arani offered multiple allegations against both Cron and the upper levels of CARE California leadership responsible for overseeing him. Arani claims 
that near the end of February, while considering a much more expensive new office space that featured a large American flag out front, Cron told her, if I would have to see that flag every day, I'm going to want to put bullets or darts through it. I've been thinking of at least taking the American flag, the building's American flag where they were renting, and hiding it in our office so that no one has to look at it. In addition, Irani claimed that Cron wrote on his Facebook page, this country, America, is disgusting, on March 30th, 2019. She also had frustration of the alleged pay disparities between men and women and further noted that in 2016 audit of CARE Los Angeles offices found it paying its female workers substantially less than it paid its male employees. And it goes on. So the point here, ladies and gentlemen, is that the... Islamists are not about positive PR for American Muslims. They're not about actually caring about religious liberty. They are about a victimization, grievance, collectivist agenda. That's it. They want to make sure that every other professor in the school's whether it be at the community college with Dr. Damascus or whether it be across the country at any university, feels fear, intimidation, and maybe thinks twice of ever covering Islam again. And then you say, why is reform so hard? Well, if in the institutions of higher learning where questions are asked, where, where new ideas are sprouted, new poetry, new art is written, New interpretations of a 21st century Islam is written not about what the Prophet did in the 7th century, but what he would do today. If these questions can't be asked and critical thinking about interpretations of the passages of the Quran cannot happen, that's in theology classes, let alone in political science classes that simply teach about the origins of terrorism, then the establishment, the Islamic theocratic leadership is protected. It has nothing to fear. Its institutions are protected because it ends up controlling the agenda, the curriculum, and the questions. It controls the questions. That's why they're filing suit. Those three little questions that were asked that became so offensive to Muhammad Sabra that now he's filing a suit because he felt attacked. He felt like his religion was being called terrorist when he wanted to answer a question about what the jihadists of Al-Qaeda felt. Now, did the question say Al-Qaeda? No, but anyone who read the curriculum and participated in that course likely knew that Dr. Damask, a PhD in terrorism, was asking about Al-Qaeda and not about the mosque down the street. So who... Are care doing a disservice to? Who are these attorneys suing Dr. Damas doing a disservice to, if not Muslims that are peaceful? Because they're telling Americans that we can't tolerate, we are afraid of you even asking questions because you're going to realize that it may be us. I don't have that fear. Every American I've known that talks about the theological underpinnings realizes that we have to go through the same processes that the Founding Fathers did. And I've testified to Congress about this many times, that if we can't discuss the root causes 
of theocracy, of radicalization in Islam in America, what other country can? Our foundations were founded against theocracy. And yet these these ambulance-chasing attorneys that want to sue schools on behalf of students that are so victimized, these snowflakes that are so victimized, it's not about integrity of education, it's about striking fear into their hearts. So with these demonstrations going on around the country this week about racism, about collective guilt, there's no doubt that any sentient human being stands against bigotry, stands against racism, and that, yes, we have a lot of work to do. The horrific killings of George Floyd and others cannot be tolerated and should not be tolerated. Does that mean, though, that we have a collective guilt as those who are not of race, not of the black race or of other targeted races? That's the debate to have. I will tell you that some of the instructive parts of this debate is the fact that there is this alliance on the left between the red and the green, the Antifas and the Islamists. We talked a little bit about that last week, and there'll be more to come on that. For now, this is Zudi Jasser on Reform This. Find me on Twitter at Dr. D-R-Z-U-H-D-I-J-A-S-S-E-R at Reform This Radio and Dr. Zudi Jasser. Spread the word that if you want a rational discourse about confronting ideas or causes... Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network.